Thank you for joining me today on Esker Live. I'm happy to celebrate International Women's Day with you. My name is Michelle Venturini. I am the HR Director for the Americas subsidiary at Esker, and I am pleased to be joined by a panel of some of the smartest women that I know. Molly Gallmeyer is the president of the South Central Chapter of Women in Technology and the Director of Business Development at, at Baker Tilly. Molly, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how you got where you are today. Yeah, thanks, Michelle, and thanks, Esker Live, for uh, having me be a part of this great program. Happy International Women's Day to all. So um, my start quick background was I did not start in a technology-related field. I actually started and went to college and got my master's on the marketing side of the house and kind of fell into a tech role in 2013. Um, I say that because I think a lot of times, you know, we think, um, especially as women, that if I go to school for X, Y, and Z, that's what I have to do, right? If I'm a teacher, I'm a teacher. If I'm a lawyer, I'm a lawyer. But the reality is, is getting out of my comfort zone and kind of getting this opportunity to fall into this technology role had really propelled my career um, the next decade thereafter. So as Michelle said, um, now, you know, I have a great leadership role within Baker Tilly Digital, help leading a team of sales professionals um, selling across the digital stack at Baker Tilly, uh, knees deep in technology type things day in and day out um, as my day job. But really, um, from a volunteering aspect, I also got the opportunity through kind of diving in heads first to be the president of uh, women in technology here in the South Central region of Wisconsin, which has opened up so many opportunities for networking, really finding a tribe of sisterhood of females and other ladies um, that have truly become lifelong friends. So I'm um, really, really excited and excited to be here with everyone today. Excellent. Thank you, Molly. I, I really resonate with what you say about what we get our degrees in and where our careers start is not where our careers have to end up. It is really our, our story to tell. I have degrees in marketing and computer science, and here I am in HR. You know, you, just, you never know. You have to prepare yourself and be ready to take advantage of those opportunities. And next on our panel is Buki Haji. She is a senior scrum master at Esker. Buki is very well versed in what it takes to get things done at a high tech company. I can attest to that personally. So Buki, what experience prepared you for your role? Thank you for that, Michelle. I really appreciate the kind words. Um, yeah, I definitely think that there are a few things that prepared me. When I try to think of this at a high level, there's really two things that I think um, have brought me to where I am and have prepared me. A big piece is actually having an upbringing in an entrepreneurial family. Uh, as an entrepreneur, you're often flexing between high-level thought process about the company that you operate. Um, and then you're also thinking about the day-to-day. -day. And as a Scrum Master, I often have to flex between those two. And it's uh, it's been a very important skill set in my role. Um, also, you're never really handed work as a Scrum Master. You kind of have to seek it, or perhaps you hear some pain points and you want to help your team out. Um, and really, that is the heart of entrepreneurship, is being a self-starter, helping solve problems, and working with people. And it's funny that you guys mentioned your degree is not matching uh, where you ended up. I actually got my degree in psychology, which I feel like has really helped me um, prepare for this role as well. I work very closely with people. So just kind of understanding, you know, the people side of things, where people come from, what motivates them has helped me a ton. Um, and also just dabbling into the psychology of a company and how that operates uh, has just really elevated my um, my understanding of how to help Esker and continue to improve and become a better company. Great. Thank you. Um, and I think your comments about your upbringing and how that influenced 
where you got where you are, even though as a child, you don't know what a scrum master is. But it does illustrate how, for all of us, we are shaped from a very young age. And so those opportunities that our children get, and, and perhaps especially women, really do shape what their future looks like. So thank you for that. And third panel, third person on our panel today is Amber Johnson. And she is a site reliability engineer at Esker. She supports Esker's production system. So she has become adept at handling the pressure that comes with a highly technical role under sometimes stressful conditions. I don't even know how you do what you do, Amber. If knowing that I'm in the live production system and making changes would be nerve wracking, but you handle it like a pro. But have you always known that you wanted a high tech career and who has influenced you and why? Um, I don't know if I've always known that I wanted a high tech career and when I was younger. I wanted to be a doctor, um, but I've always kind of been interested in solving problems and figuring out how things work. Um, I used to help my dad fix things a lot as a child and then I've always kind of been interested in computers and video games, especially, and then being able to make a career out of it. Um, it was just, it was uh, great for, for me to find computer science because growing up, I didn't have any real experience to actual computer science or coding in general. That kind of came when I was in college and was deciding on a major. Um, and then as for who has influenced me, um, not necessarily to take a career in technology, but I would say that my mom has influenced me a lot. Um, she has um, some health challenges with autoimmune diseases and stuff, and she's just taught me um, to never give up and to um, try my hardest and work hard and that everything that to whatever I can control to focus on that and not focus on things outside of my control. Um, so I would say that my my mom has been the biggest influence in my life as a whole. Great. Thank you for sharing that. When I'm mentoring somebody or coaching someone early in their career and they're at a crossroads and they don't know what to do next, one of the questions I always ask them is, when you were a child, when you had no no claim on your time and you could do anything that you wanted, what, what would you do? And mm -hmm. so um, what your story about enjoying working on mechanical things with your father really bears that out, that the things that we did as a child when we, we, when we had every choice um, often end up being what our real passions are. So thank you for sharing all of that. Thank you. So we have some prepared questions to ask our panel. If any of the viewers have any questions for the panel, please just um, submit them and we will be happy to respond. So let's get started. So Ada Lovelace might be someone that you've heard of. She published the first algorithm that was intended to be carried out by a machine called the analytical engine. This is in the late 1800s, folks. She is often given credit for being the first programmer. What are some obstacles that Ada would face if she were entering the tech field today? Amber, do you want to take that one first? Um, I mean, so first off, I think the that technology back in the 1800s is completely different from what we would consider technology today. Um, so I think that would be um, a major obstacle 
person from the 1800s trying to figure out how computers and current technology works. Um, I think that could be very difficult. Um, I mean, even um, growing up today, um, learning a lot of the tech field has been very difficult. And I, I grew up, I've had access to computers since I was probably three years old and still I'm still learning new things about it and it's still um, a challenge and you know it's just every day learning new things yeah. and I mean life in general is very different now than from the 1800s. Absolutely thank you. Um, Boogie what do you think she would face as a challenge? Yeah, I think uh, we kind of hit a little bit on it earlier, but um, I think she might face finding a lack of female role models in the IT industry, just with the, um, you know, with it being a male dominated industry. Um, and with that, I think, you know, you can easily start feeling a little bit of isolation. Molly, you mm -hmm. said sisterhood earlier, which really resonates with me. It's always nice just finding a group of people, a community within your workplace that you feel you can go to and that understand you. Um, which also leads to feelings of imposter syndrome at times. If you're not mm -hmm. seeing other people within your company that are accomplishing things that are like you, you might feel, do I really mm -hmm. belong here? Am I really uh, cut out for this industry? Right. Thank you. I think imposter syndrome is something that everybody suffers from. Um, and I do think women more than most. So thank you for bringing it up. Mm -hmm. So Molly, in your experience, what do you think would be Ada's barriers? Yeah, no, uh, maybe piggybacking off Buki's answer, you know, when I was thinking about this question and preparing for the panel, I was thinking, boy, uh, Ada Lovelace's experience today would be a lot more positive than it was even five years ago, right? Because I think from Buki's point, she's absolutely right. It is technology is still a very heavily male dominated field, but we have made tremendous strides even in the last decade or so that I've been in this industry. So I think there's some positive there that we can all celebrate, right? That um, overcoming some of those barriers, we, we've done some stuff towards it and still have a lot of ways to go. I think from the obstacle side though, right, is with that, um, sometimes as technologists, we can be a little bit more introverted and maybe not want to speak up and things like that. And being in a male dominated role and being kind of that minority in the conference room, in the meetings, you know, really whether you want to or not would force someone like Ada to speak up and share her opinions and share, um, you know, if she doesn't think that maybe what the strategy that the folks uh, in the boardroom want to go after isn't the right strategy to, to kind of get comfortable being uncomfortable. And so I think that is an obstacle that while we've made strides in the technology field, there's still a, a great uh, length and opportunity to go. Um, and so as individuals and as females, and technology today, you know, Buki, Amber, myself, and others, it's, it's you know, really having that voice and making sure that we're continuing to be loud, to be heard, um, and to share our thoughts and opinions, even if we are the minority and the only female in the room. Excellent. I like that uh, phrase of be comfortable with the uncomfortable. I think that's a very powerful phrase and it's very empowering. And I think as difficult as it is and as intimidating as it might be, um, I think that's something everybody could do more of. So thank you for that. So 66% of women in a tech career report that they don't have a clear career path. What can organizations do to support female employees in their career growth? So Molly, what, what, what do you think of that? Yeah, so 
again, I think you'll hear a theme a lot through a lot of my answers is um, that being, again, comfortable being uncomfortable. So one, I think from the organization's perspective, there's things that they can implement internally. So, you know, I've seen organizations do things like communities of practice um, as a president of women technology organizations, sponsoring groups like ours to really get other females involved and network with other females, even outside of that organization, outside of those four walls. I think the other side is um, to, you know, make sure that as leaders, you're talking to your team, because as we all know, I, I love what you said, Michelle Buki, I'm sure when you were little, you didn't grow up and say, I want to be a scrum master because that role <laughs> probably didn't even exist. Right. And so making sure that as leaders, we are having the right talk tracks and knowing that, hey, what Amber's role is today at Esker may look and be a totally different name and something different in five years. And that's okay. Because again, I think in technology, personally, the exciting opportunity side that I see of it is it isn't a clear cut, okay, you're this. And then in two years, if you do this, you do this. And then in two years, you do this. It can go and zigzag a lot of different ways. Um, and so it's having those conversations and saying, hey, you know, you got to do these things and be on the right path and show those levels of leadership. And we might not know what that role looks like in five years, but help us define that, mm -hmm. right? Help us um, create what that looks like and find those needs within the organization. So um, it's one, implementing things like communities of practice and areas for folks to congregate and, you know, become a part of something, especially if, if, if there's a lack of females um, on that team. And then two, I think just giving Maybe it's not a specifically clear direction of what the future will look like, but having those really open conversations. And, and I think that's the exciting part is, hey, come along for the ride and let's help craft what that future could look like for you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. You know, as a being in HR, I've done a lot of interviews and I have completely eliminated the what do you want to be in five years question because chances are the job that you will have in five years doesn't exist today. Yeah. So this idea and what we talked about at the beginning of being open and being ready to take advantage of, of opportunities as they come up is really critical. Absolutely. So Amber, what do you think organizations can do to support female employees? I think one thing that organizations can do to support female employees in their career growth is um, just having an open door policy and making sure that everyone feels comfortable. I mean, on the site reliability team, I am the only female on the team of 20 some people. Um, and um, nobody on the team has ever made me feel like my ideas are less important or anything like that. And I've always felt comfortable to bring up my opinions. And if I ever have any concerns, going to my boss, I've always felt comfortable um, with that. So I think just making sure that everyone in the company feels comfortable to voice their opinions and concerns um, is a major thing that organizations can do to support that. Excellent. And think about for an organization, if you're an organization where women aren't comfortable speaking up, think about all the ideas that you're missing out on mm -hmm. and all the expertise that isn't being shared. So. For organizations, I think it's especially important to make sure that people are comfortable and feel respected. Um, and Buki, what what is your response to the question? Yeah, I love your response there because something that I've read a lot into is psychological safety and it really plays a huge role. And mm -hmm. sometimes you have these leaders that are making decisions and if no one feels comfortable 
challenging those, you just think, where where could our company go if, if we were comfortable to share feedback? So I love that. Um, but Amber and Molly, you guys gave great perspectives on the um, organizational level. I think structure does influence behavior. It's something that I've been reading up a lot on recently. So I'll take it from more of an individual standpoint. Um, what I try to do as an individual is just really cheerleader one another. Um, you said this earlier, Molly, celebrate our wins. Um, I am in the role where I facilitate a lot of meetings. So just on a smaller level, I'll do my best to provide structures and discussion points where everyone's voice is heard. Um, everyone has the opportunity to share their ideas and thoughts and feedback. Um, and then also just providing feedback to managers. I think sometimes we kind of forget about that step or it's overlooked. I think it makes a huge impact if I ever see someone doing you know, a great job, which is often. Uh, I'll do my best to provide that feedback to managers because sometimes they, they don't see the day-to-day -day things that people are um, doing and the value that they're adding. Yeah, excellent. One thought that crossed my mind through all of these answers is these aren't just things for female employees. These are things that organizations can do and all employees will benefit. So um, there could be a lot of advantages to those approaches. So the pandemic showed us that many jobs can be done effectively from someplace other than an office. And for many women in tech, working from home is a useful strategy for maintaining life balance. What are your strategies for maintaining balance and taking care of your mental health? Uh, Amber, you mind starting us off? Sure. Um, one thing that I like to do to keep uh, work and life kind of separate is I have a separate office room at my house, um, which is where I am right now. Uh, it's also my dog's room. Um, but really, I keep most of my work contained to this room. And then the rest of my house is for everything else. Um, and uh, additionally, I try not to um, work too much um, off hours. As a site reliability engineer, I am on call once a week and weekends occasionally. Um, but outside of that, um, I try not to like check teams or check emails and stuff when I'm not on call, um, just because I don't have the obligation to, but sometimes um, I'm the type of person where I will check it sometimes and then get looped into something and um, trying to keep them separate and focusing on work while at work and not work when I'm not working. Yeah, once you open that tube of toothpaste, the toothpaste doesn't go back in, does it? So Nope, <laughs> it, it does not. And then people expect you to be there all the time. And then yeah. when you're not, and mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, early in my career, I got myself into a really nasty loop of feeling like I always needed to be on call. And this was a time mm -hmm. when I had small children. And um, I have since broken out of that habit, um, but it's, it's easy to fall into that trap, but you make a lot of sacrifices when you do. So I like your approach of, I have an office space. And even if you don't have a separate room, you can have a corner of a room and you just don't go into that corner if it's not working hours. So I appreciate that. Right, when, mm -hmm. when I lived in an apartment, I had one big room that was kitchen, living room, office, and my desk was kind of just in the corner and mm -hmm. I'm like, that's where work is and yeah. work stays there. Good. And Boogie, what are you what are your strategies for maintaining that balance? 
Yeah, you guys are going to think that I like stole Amber's homework or something. Um, <laughs> but I recently, a few months ago, read uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear, and he actually talks about this concept a lot of um, our habits are tied to our environment. And it's so important to set those boundaries. So that was what I was going to echo, too, is just, you know, I have my office. That's where I do my my work related tasks and I do my best to not take those to other areas in the home. Um, so I don't confuse my brain on, you know, what do I do where, <laughs> things like that. And then once you start down that road, those habits can can get stronger too. So I, I find that that boundary is very, very important. Um, and then I also just try to leverage lunch as best as I can to, to mm -hmm. do activities that fill my cup. Um, you know, of course eating lunch, but I had a newborn baby five months ago. So getting to spend time with him during the day is always, very helpful, but whatever fills your cup, re-energizes you. you know, I think using those little uh, pockets of time in your day is very helpful. Absolutely. And it's not the same thing that re-energizes all of us. So it's important to know for ourselves what it is that gets me refocused. What is, what is it that I need to do with my free time? So thank you for that. Taking lunch at lunch. Uh, I I definitely <laughs> struggle with that, with working through lunch. Um, mm -hmm. Something I want to work on is actually taking lunch yes mm -hmm. i understand yeah so Molly, yeah. Where did come from yeah so i think very similar themes to amber and bookies i think my two big kind of um answers to this question is one setting boundaries which i think we've all kind of uh, went around the horn and said that but two i think what are your non-negotiables so for me pre-pandemic, I got up and in those days actually went to a gym and exercised every morning before work. Now I do that from the privacy of my own home, but I still do that every single morning. I shower, I put on makeup, I may have, you know, leggings on, on, on the bottom and something more professional on top. But I think that element of still getting ready for the day and getting up and trying to make it as routine as possible, um, I'm very much so a creature of habit. And so I think early days of the pandemic was like, oh, well, maybe I'll just do my workout after work or I can get up and just hop on a call. And I thought, found out very quickly that I need to keep those boundaries. And that is continuing to be a non-negotiable is get up, exercise, still get ready for the day, and then boom, start your day, um, just as I would if I was traveling into the office. So it's, and, and for you, Amber, if that non-negotiable is right, having lunch at lunchtime every single day, it's blocking that time in your calendar um, and, and being um, com commit to that um, and being sensitive about that time, because as I think all four of us on the call know, uh, those things can get scooped up pretty fast and suddenly you've sat in for me what is a spare bedroom for nine hours on back-to-back -back calls and i'm like i need to drink more water whatever it may be um putting those boundaries inside those non-negotiables yeah excellent thank you very much so according to 2022 data women hold 26.7 percent of tech related jobs that is certainly better than what we saw 10 years ago but i think we'd all like to see it closer to 50 percent what advice would you give to a woman who is considering a tech career? Perhaps somebody who's deciding what to major on in college or someone who's considering a career pivot. What advice would you give them? Buki, what would be your advice? Yeah, I wish I had some like secret sauce here, but really I would just encourage them to go for it. Um, I made, you know, a big pivot and it's uncomfortable at first. Molly, I think you said get comfortable being uncomfortable. That's such a great point. It's going to be challenging at first. Uh, but I just try to focus on the value that would be added to my life long term and just be okay with the, the short term uncomfortability as a result. Um, and I think really that women would be surprised and anyone would be surprised at how many different skill sets can actually transfer to the tech world. Um, 
you know, of course you might have to do some self-studying and things for more technical aspects of roles and in, in the tech world, but soft skills, other things are so transferable and, and very valued. Yes, absolutely. You know, and you gotta think about what are the skills that make someone successful? And even though I have a degree in computer science and I, I was never a programmer, that thought process and that approach to breaking problems down and creating logical solutions, that applies in any position. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of transferable fit skills that can help prepare someone for a tech career. Amber, what would be your advice? Um, I would tell them not to be too intimidated about um, the fact that it's male dominated. Um, I mean, a lot of my classes in college were mostly male, um, but I mean, when when I was growing up, a lot of my neighbors were boys. Uh, we didn't have a lot of girls in the neighborhood, so I was always kind of comfortable um, being the only girl. And so I would I would tell them, don't be too intimidated. Don't think too much about it. You can do anything a man can do. Um, so you know, go for it. Excellent. Great. Yeah. Be comfortable with the uncomfortable and just go for it. Exactly. So if you could time travel, what advice would you give to your younger self? Molly, what, what would you say? Yeah. So I think, you know, one thing that I did early on in my career that's helped and one thing that I continue to do um, is network, network and network some more. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, one thing early on in my career, because of the position I was in, I did a lot of external networking, which was great. I was mover and shaker and at a bunch of different networking events in the Wisconsin you know, area of Madison, Milwaukee, Fox Valley. As I joined Baker Tilly, which is a much larger organization, I think I was naive to the importance of internal networking. I thought, hey, we all have at BakerTilly.com right on our email, so we're all going to be best friends and family. And the reality is it is just as important to network internally as externally to find those allies, to find those mentors. I feel so blessed that at this point in my career, I've got a slew of people I can call externally and internally that I can talk, you know, hard, tough days that we're all going to have. So I think even though I got the external networking stuff early on, as I transitioned to a larger, larger firm, I think the internal networking, it's like, dumb Molly, you know this, right? Um, I, I cannot stress that enough. Um, network, network, and network some more. Right. Networking. Talk about comfortable with the uncomfortable. But you're right, <laughs> we have to do it. Boopie, yep. What would be the advice to the young boopy? Yeah, I would just, I would tell myself to just feel more assured and confident in what I bring to the table. Um, I got into the IT industry very young, um, right out of college, and it was, it was a little hard, you know, being spoken over and no one ever did it intentionally, but I, it took me some time to find my voice and find that confidence. And I, I wish I was just a little bit more assured of my skill sets and what I brought to the table, but we all have to go through that learning curve. So yeah. I think we can all relate to that. So I certainly appreciate your vulnerability with that point. And Amber, what would be your advice? Yeah, similar to Buki, I got into tech right out of college. Esker has been my first job um, since college. And I would say, you know, go for, like, don't be afraid of going for what you want or what you're interested in. Um, Originally, when I was in college, I was going to major in biology because I didn't have much computer science growing up. And I wish I would have started majoring with computer science because there were a lot of classes that I had to take all together because 
you know, I have two years left and I need all these requirements. Um, so like, I always knew I was interested in computers, but I didn't really realize that you could make a career out of it. So I would tell mm -hmm. my younger self to probably look into different things earlier um, instead of like last minute needing to decide something um, and then going with computer science. But I'm I'm really glad I did and I wish I had decided on it sooner. Yep. I, I laugh because it was same thing for me, like game time <laughs> decision. What am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, what do I like? Yeah. What would I be good yep. at? Yep. Um, and then when I applied at at Esker, um, you know, I do more of an IT um, based job and not necessarily coding. Um, a lot of the problem solving skills and stuff transfer. Um, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Another example of being prepared to pivot and take advantage of those opportunities when they come up. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you very much, Amber and Buki, for joining us. Um, I have loved listening to you, learning a little bit more about each of you. And we will close our live stream with a short message from Molly and, and sharing some of her experience as the leader of a nonprofit organization that honors women in tech. So go ahead, Molly. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. So as Michelle alluded to, I am the president of the South Central uh, Region of Women in Technology, Wisconsin. And really our mission is to attract, grow, and retain women uh, in technology of all ages. So with that, we've got three different programs. Um, and I think what's really neat and where my passion really came um, to be a part of this program is we really start targeting and working with girls as young as kindergarten, um, K through 12, course, the collegiate level, um, and then the professional network. So we have a wit for girls pillar, a wit on campus, and a wit at work. And I think one theme that a lot of us said, and if you heard today was, maybe I fell in technology, or I wish I would have got into this earlier, right? And I think the reason being is that Unfortunately, since it is still such a male-dominated industry, a lot of times you don't see people like the four of us on this call today standing um, in a boardroom or in an executive seat in a technology-related career. So to you, you probably think, oh, at least in my day, right, it was nurses, teachers, right? Those were the roles that you typically took as females. And so why I'm so passionate about our mission in women technology is I want to scream to the rooftop about all the different technology careers and all the different shapes and sizes that are out there. And the fact that, again, what was said a lot today, a lot of those soft skills can be equivalent to roles in technology. So again, if you're a teacher, you probably have great project management skills. You know how to get attention um, of a group. Um, Buki said she facilitates a lot of meetings, right? Teachers are facilitating a classroom every day. You um, are really good at organizing and building out timelines and things like that those roles exist within technology, right? And so I think um, what I love about WID and what I love about our mission here in Wisconsin is we're trying to educate and we're trying to just tell people, I think, what a lot of the unknown is. Um, as I said earlier, I think a scrum master is a newer right position that maybe didn't even exist 10 years ago. So how do we get out there and share that education? Um, again, starting from the classroom all the way to the boardroom, even as, you know, professionals and young adults or even adults halfway through their career or whatever it may be, um, it's never too late to, to make a switch and to shift careers. So um, we've got 
four chapters. We are in the Madison area, Milwaukee area, Fox Valley, and then towards Eau Claire. So we have a statewide presence. Um, we are a member-based organization and have a lot of amazing corporate sponsors throughout the state. We've got uh, virtual as well as in-person meetings. Our website is witwisconsin.com that anyone is willing to check out um, and look at the stuff that we have upcoming. But overall, it's been an amazing uh, organization for me to learn like I said, create a sisterhood. Um, I've got lots of ladies in the organization that not only will call me, I'll call them for career advice and just to talk. Uh, Michelle, specifically, we've gotten coffee and connected and met through Women in Technology. So um, would really encourage, especially if you're a local here in the Wisconsin area, to look into the organization. We've got plenty of free events. Um, and you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Molly Gallmeyer. If you are curious more about the organization or want to chat a little bit to see if it'd be a right fit for you, happy to help answer any questions. Great. Thank you. And what I really appreciate about how WIT goes about fulfilling its mission is that you do, you get to girls in school when they are still making those decisions and deciding what they like and what they don't like. And then you support it throughout their career and, and um, as they progress through their education. And as we all know, um, we make a lot of changes as we grow up. So that early influence is really important. Well, thank you all very much. I have thoroughly enjoyed this. And um, I hope those of you who are watching uh, also enjoyed and learned a little bit and maybe got some good advice for how to shape your own career or the career of a, of a woman or a young woman in your life. So thank you, everybody, and happy International Women's Day. Thank, thank you. you.